Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Been going through, uh, it's been uh, called Thrive. It was uh, uh, practices that promote spiritual growth, spiritual health. Talk about how healthy uh, things grow and growing things change. And, and so we've talked about the word and prayer and worship and community and evangelism and outreach and all these great things that, that Quest Church has been all about. So many of us are, are engaged in. And um, also, um, you know, there's a saying that healthy sheep uh, bring forth healthy sheep. And that's, I think, God's plan for ministry is for us to, to be in the word, be in prayer, all these great uh, uh, characteristics of a Christian, a healthy Christian, and then naturally others will want to come along into the fold and be, uh, be moved by our, our witness in this world. And I just wanted to share, uh, to introduce, uh, uh, just on that thought, uh, Acts chapter 2 talks about a healthy church, and he says, this is the formation of, the, of the, the first church, he says, and with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, this is a large crowd he's, he's preaching to. He said, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized. So baptism is a healthy part of our walk. And uh, I wanted to mention in uh, that, that announcement that I missed is that this Saturday we have a bonfire baptism barbecue down at Crown Point. And we hope you will come. We hope that if you want to be baptized, if you want to be that healthy sheep in obedience and consecration to the Lord, you'll, you'll look us up online and let us know you want to be baptized. You can actually sign up out on the, the bookstore table. There's a, a sign-up list to be baptized. There's a little note about that event. So please, uh, if you see an email about it, click on it if you want to come so we know uh, how to prepare for that as well. We're, we're looking for people to bring some, some items to share, a potluck. We're going to barbecue and provide uh, the bulk of that for you. But please come down, and if you want to be baptized, if you want to be that healthy sheep, this is the place. So, so in that same passage, he says, and those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So come be a part. Maybe 3,000 people will want to just join in with our baptism. He says this was the mark of, of that early church and what healthy sheep can do when they gather together. But it says this was the mark of, of that early church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means the word and fellowship, the breaking of bread or gathering to worship, and in prayers. And then what happened? Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, one accord, united, that church is united in purpose and vision, in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they're gathering, they're getting to know each other, they're fellowshipping, encouraging one another. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, Praising God and having favor with all the people, naturally people were drawn to that. And here's the thing, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Quest Church is God's church. These events are God's events. He uses them to draw people to himself, to glorify himself. And it is amazing what, what 
a church, any church can do when they just lean on those principles and be faithful and, and seek to be healthy sheep. Um, I just want to uh, introduce our, our sermon today, but uh, would you uh, pray with me for, for our message this morning? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have your whole counsel in so many mediums. We have Bibles and we have uh, radio and, and podcasts and, and so many ways to receive your word each day. I pray that this morning we would receive your word in a unique way, that your Holy Spirit would minister it to, a, to each of us and plant it into our minds and let it work through our hearts and emotions and our, our, our daily lives as we live, our, our, our problems, our glories, that, that you would be in all of it, Lord, and that you would just give us a peace in our soul, knowing that we are one with you, Lord. We, are, we will be together with you forever, dear Lord, because you promised that. There needs to be no doubt of our salvation when we've accepted you as Lord and Savior. So Lord, help us learn more about that today. Help us to listen. Help us to set aside. Let us pause in your presence. And may your Holy Spirit minister the word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 and 2. We're, we're moving through the book of Philippians in this last uh, uh, month of um, sabbatical, special guests we've had all summer long, and, and Pastor Sherwood will be back in September to start a, a great new series. So we have a few weeks to be in Philippians. Pastor Nick will be with us uh, next week to share uh, chapter 3 of Philippians, but I'm going to continue through 1 and 2. And um, we're excited about that, uh, just so excited about all of our hard workers here. He's taking a break from his sleepless night to prepare a message this week. So Paul's purpose in the letter to the Philippian church, this was like a missionary's update. Did anybody support missions out there? Anybody have, know some missionaries? Anybody been a missionary? I know you've been connected somehow. It's great work. We support some missions work here at the church. And, you know, you get these updates, these letters from them. Here's how we're doing. Here's, here's how the word's going forth. And that's what this is. And it's a big thank you for the support of the church um, as well. The, the church at Philippi, again, was an early plant of Paul's. And he's just very thankful for their partnership. And this letter is to, is to express that. It's also to update on, on the work and uh, the mission and a lot of encouragement along the way as well. So um, all of this is wrapped in joy. The, the theme of the book of Philippians is, is rejoice and joy. And let's not forget that that's why Jesus came. He said that, that I've come that you, you might have joy and that your joy may be full. So in the trials of life, in the burdens, don't forget that we win and there's joy awaiting us forever. And that in this life, there can be joy. There can be a peace in our difficult circumstances. Maybe not always the pursuit of happiness, but there's lots of contentment and peace and joy in the midst of any struggle that the Lord wants for us. And that's a big message in Philippians, so let's not miss that message. Uh, in verse 9, I just want to review uh, something we mentioned last week, but uh, Paul's prayers, his, his encouragements to us, that joy he talks about in, in chapter 1, verse 9, and he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. And he says, to the glory and praise of God. Paul's focus was on the big picture. 
the glory and praise of God, to, to being obedient to the great commission, the great commandment, to go and make disciples. And, you know, if you've ever seen our website, questsd.com, that's a, uh, an endorsement there, a plug, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it has on the front page, it says, always only Jesus, and there's a person just praising the Lord. And I, I like that, Pastor Sherwood came up with that. It says, always only Jesus, and that was Paul. He was always only Jesus, just focused on that. And, you know, sometimes people might say, well, that person is too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Has his head in the clouds, I've, I've heard that before, but not true, not true. You need to be heavenly minded to be any earthly good because there's such a need in this world for people who are heavenly minded and focused on Jesus. Always only Jesus, I like that. So it should be our hope and our prayer today. Um, and let's remember the joy in that. So not much joy from prison. Paul wrote this from prison, and I want to read a little bit about that imprisonment and, and how uh, it worked to actually further the gospel. So um, in uh, back in uh, chapter 1, verse 12, but we'll read about Paul's imprisonment and how, and how that affected him and the gospel, but um, the gospel was furthered by that. And, and Paul's mission was the same mission that we have. It's a commission. It's the great commission, right? When Jesus left, when he ascended to heaven, he left us these final words. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord is with us. His Holy Spirit baptizes us fills us with his power and discernment and knowledge to do his great commission. So into all nations. I still have this little book up here, this little targeted prayer. It talks about going to um, something Mike McIntosh left us. Uh, it, it talks about the book of Acts, continuing on that great commission. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's, 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 those were the locations closest to them, to the apostle or the disciples he was speaking to. He says, first those closest to you, then spread out a little more, then go a little deeper. So your family, your co-workers, your, your, your rulers your, of the nation and, and the city and, and the world. So there's, there's great prayer that can be done there, and great power in, in praying and in witnessing. And that's the great commission that Paul is focused on. Always only Jesus Great Commission, go tell all the people, baptize them, teach them. Fully focused. A great place for us to be. So the gospel is advancing when he's in prison. It says in verse 12, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, for it to for greater work to be done through his imprisonment. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest, that's a lot of people. He was under special guard in prison. He was able to, to it's been said, he's been able to witness to different guards constantly. People had to be watching over him, and uh, they must have loved that assignment. But it did have an impact because we know that many were saved. Many in that guard became believers. So it says, it was evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
And again, we're speaking the word. Has anybody been able to read the book of Philippians this week at all? I sure hope you can. It will enhance your Sunday morning experience if you can use this as a devotion. And, and that goes with, with all of our devotion time. Whether you're in a men's or women's study here, you, you really need to be in the word. This is just a portion of our, of our, our need to be filled spiritually. And I've got to share this every time I think of it. You know, physical hunger... If you're hungry and you eat a donut out here, you'll feel better and you'll be full. You eat a dozen donuts, you won't want to eat again, right? No more, no more. But spiritual hunger is the opposite. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. I could spend an hour in the Bible. I want another hour. I want two hours. I want four hours. I want to be always only Jesus. I want more and more and more as we feed our spirits. It gets hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. But the opposite is true. If we don't feed our spirits... If we're not in the Word, our hunger goes away. The less we feed ourselves spiritually, the less hungry we get. So it's the opposite. It's the flesh and the Spirit. We need to live and walk in the Spirit and feed ourselves and nourish ourselves for the blessings of others around us. And so there's a boldness and there's a confidence of other believers because of Paul's imprisonment. And so God is using this. He's working all things together for good. For those who love him, he is going to bring forth a work in a different way than, than we typically would imagine. So when we think of persecution, Jesus said we will suffer the same persecutions that he did as believers in many ways. It can be hard in this life to stand in the light and not uh, crawl around in the shadows and the dark. But people see that and people can be drawn to that, and people can be saved by that, and we need to stand, and we need to uh, be about what is right, and what is good, and what is pure, and his word is where we find that, so, uh, but there can be persecutions, and Paul is suffering those persecutions, so um, up to the point of martyrdom, he's thinking, I could be killed, I could die for this, so if Christianity is a big lie, if it's just a a big joke, if it's just a big put-on that some people might say, well, a lot of people have been willing to die for that big joke. But it's proof, it's evidence that it's not. It's real. Jesus, his life, his, his story, God's story, history, all of history is truth. And people have lived it daily, all for Jesus, and they have died. And that martyrdom, that persecution, it tends to have the opposite effect also. It makes for the furtherance of the gospel. It makes us stronger. It makes us more emboldened when we see that people have suffered for it. Um, God doesn't bring about a fear in that. He brings about a confidence knowing that I can do that. I should do that. I need to be a part of that. That's my faith at work. So he talks about in verse 15. He said, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. This is while he's in prison and other people are doing this work out there. And some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. So some are doing it to, to draw attention to themselves uh, for whatever uh, motive that's not pure, even to cause him greater suffering. He says some are doing that, but, but the latter are doing it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. So all sorts of motives going on out there. But he says the key is what then? Only that in every way, verse 18, only that in every way, 
whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Christ is preached. We talked a little bit about last week, letting the lion loose, the word of God. Once it gets out there in the world, it's like a lion. It defends itself. It can attack. It, can, it, can, it is strong. It is powerful. And so he's saying if the word, the truth goes out, and these are people who are not false teachers. They're sharing the same gospel message that, that Paul was. It's the, it's the basic, simple truth. Jesus dying for our sins, rising back from the dead, and, and making a way back to God by faith in him. He's saying that Christ is preached, and uh, he's rejoicing in that because it's doing the work. It's doing the good work. So, uh, again, it would be great if people did it from the right motive, but if they're using the right words, if this Bible is going out, if we're sharing the truth of Scripture, it's powerful. So, Christ is preached, and this I rejoice, and will rejoice. So, Paul is happy that he's in chains and being suffering in prison, and that's quite a testimony. Are you happy when you uh, suffer persecutions? I don't think so, when you suffer anything, right? Nobody's happy with that. But God says, count it all joy because I'm doing a good work in you. I began something, I'm going to finish it, and these trials are part of it. So Paul is living for the benefit of, the, of, of others. Even his imprisonment, he is constantly witnessing, knows that the word is, is going forth because of it. So I want to share a familiar passage uh, or a familiar scripture up here. And we talked about the value of memorization and meditating on the Word and our devotions. And if you guys, uh, you know, have ways to memorize, it's so powerful to infuse that Word into our lives so that we can um, share it with others. Uh, so, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is his ultimate um, thoughts he's having while in prison, knowing the gospel is going forth. Uh, you know, wrestling with what is, his, uh, what is his ultimate end here. He knows he could be martyred, so there's thoughts that I could die here in prison. But let me read the passages and let him uh, share the thoughts on that scripture. So in verse 19, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer. And now they're praying for him, just as he has been praying for them. It's mutual. And the supply of the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit, again, that's led him all the way, empowers him, guides him, gives him knowledge. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or death. Again, always Jesus. Christ will be magnified. That's his purpose. And he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what does that mean? So it means win-win. To walk in this life with the saving faith of Jesus in your heart, any and all circumstances can be seen through and walked through with the Lord. And he can bring a comfort. He can bring a peace. He can bring patience. He can bring love for our enemies. He can bring joy in the midst of sorrow. Every day there is a comfort. And if you've ever felt alone uh, or lonely, uh, knowing that with Christ, you're never alone. You are never alone. 
through any circumstance. And he says to live is Christ. That, that life is to be embraced and, and it's so rich. And we often don't see that. And then he, he goes on to say, and to die is gain. I go to be with him. He's not only with me here in this life, but then I get to go to be with him and have a richer, more full experience with Christ forever. So he's in a win-win situation, he says. Do some of you ever say Maranatha, which, says, uh, which means what? Come, Lord Jesus, you're at the end of a hard day or you're in a trial and you say, Lord, just return. Take me out of this, okay? I've had enough. It's time to go. That can, that can replace to live as Christ. That can, that can really uh, be tough, this life. But, but lean into God. Don't let anything pull you away from him. Anything that pulls you away from God is from the enemy. If he says, no, you're not good enough, or, or don't go to church, don't do this, you're, you've sinned, you've fallen, whatever, that's a lie. God wants you to, to gather. He wants you to be in his word. He wants you to be closer to him. So don't ever let the enemy rob us of our joy and take us away from that. So um, there might be uh, some special work that God has just for you that you are uniquely prepared for, that nobody else can do. Nobody else can reach some of these people in, in that target zone, those closest to you in your families and your workplace. And so um, God would ask of us that we consider uh, what to live as Christ means and where to go. And, and just that God would naturally and simply bring opportunities and we would take advantage of them to witness, to live for him, and to receive that fullness of life he has for us now. So it's about focusing on the needs of those around us. And that can really keep us from dwelling on ourselves. We can get beat up and depressed, and we can get uh, upset about the difficult trials that we go through. But, you know, that can perpetuate itself when, we're, when we continue to focus inward. So the best remedy for that, I would suggest, is to focus outward and look to helping others and encouraging others uh, with their problems and issues and needs. And then it makes ours tend to move to the side and gives us a much more positive perspective on, on any difficulty we're going through. So he talks about that in verse 23, or 22, I should finish. So 21 was, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says in 22, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. What attitude he's going to have if he's going to focus on, on, on uh, this life and the joys of that or, or the next, uh, it's just important to be focused on both. But he, he says, which way will this go? Maybe I'll be martyred. Maybe I'll, I'll go on to be with the Lord. He says, I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Maranatha, Lord, come take me. I want to be with you. But he says there's something more needful. He says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul lived his life for God and for others. It's more needful for you that he stay and remain and continue in the Lord's work. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain. And continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. For their progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to see you again. Such encouragement 
to see uh, brothers and sisters in the faith, those, um, so many, uh, you know, I, th- I think again of some of the great speakers we've had here, men and, and, and women who have been out there walking the walk for, for decades, and how encouraging that is, and how um, last day, even if I want to be that way, I want to finish well, I want it to always only be Jesus until that last day, even if I'm in prison or persecuted. Um, Paul tells us the secret to that is, is to uh, doing what is needful for others, for their progress and joy of faith. So, um, it's the flesh versus the spirit, walking in the spirit. So, how can we walk more in the spirit and less in the flesh? Well, it's by practicing those um, disciplines. And we can talk a little bit more about that. But I, I do want to move on to chapter 2 where he expresses this same idea and how Jesus modeled this, um, uh, this humility and this service to others. So, in verse, um, in the beginning of chapter 2, he says in verse 3, he says, don't be, well, I'll put the, uh, the memory verse up there. There's another familiar passage, hopefully. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. This is the key. This is the key to breaking free of, of those dis- discouragements. It's just to refocus. Refocus on the needs around you. So many needs and so many ways to serve others. He says, um, I, I, I like the New King James. That's what's up there. And uh, this is a, a New Living translation that I'm going to read to you. But sometimes it's nice just to have another uh, version to compare uh, for, for serious study and all that. There's the different versions and you should know the limitations. But, but the New Living is very pleasant, very uh, richer. It's, it's maybe not as accurate word for word for sure. But it, it can express it in a little more um, closer to home way. So uh, that same verse in the New Living says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. So very similar, just a little bit more. But he goes on in verse 4, he says, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, which was humble and others focused. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. Jesus, our example of humility. God came to earth. And, you know, these are essential doctrines. And knowing what we believe is so important. And, you know, here at Quest or, or whatever church uh, people are going to, where we've been, where we may be, we should absolutely be clear on what we believe. And, you know, I think there's only so many doctrines, essential doctrines that we need to be sure we have in our, in our possession, in our, in our faith. And this is one, that Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was equal to God in every way, and he was fully human. And that's a, that's a mystery. It's worth study and worth reconciling, but it's, it's an essential truth. And, and another one would be that our salvation is by faith in him. It's not by good works. And those two differences uh, have, have a vast uh, variation in so many churches and denominations. And, you know, I, I like this saying about in the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. But in all things, 
As Christians, we have charity, which is love. So it's not in the Bible, but I think it's a good saying because we need to be united in essential doctrines. We need to know that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, and Jesus was a man, and that our only way to salvation is through faith in him, not through our good works, that work is done. So those are essential doctrines. After that, we might get into things like, well, what color should our chairs be and how should our music be and all that. We have liberty in those areas. We can have some variation. We can learn to work through that in, in unity. But we, or, you know, in love, in charity, because it says in all things we should have charity. Everything, any, any idea we have about a doctrine or, or church or how we walk daily, we should make sure that our essentials, we have unity, non-essentials, we have some, some freedom and liberty and respect for one another. But in all things we love, we have charity. So I think it's a good saying, and it speaks of salvation. Um, you know, salvation is through Christ. He finished the work. And, and just to, to take a moment here to talk about our, our salvation. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't asked him into your life as, as Lord and Savior, this is an opportunity to think seriously about that because it's the most important decision you make in your whole life. That's what all of life is about. And he said in, t- in the book of Titus, he says, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, his kindness leads us to repentance, the word says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. God saves us through his mercy, not through our goodness. We have all sinned and fallen short. We need a savior. We need a way to cover our sins. We need a way to pay that price that our righteous father demands by being a good and righteous God. But he provided a way by sacrificing himself through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So that's a prayer we can pray to have that saving faith in Jesus. And I want to pray with you right now as we, as we wind up. Lord, I ask that I ask that you would bless and you would bring forth salvation through the works uh, of this church, through the works of each person here, through the witness of each person, that you would bring salvation to the lost, that you would bring the truth of Jesus, the simple gospel truth that no matter what the motive can pierce the hearts and powerfully change lives forever. I ask that in the name of Jesus, each person here would make that prayer of of admitting that they have sinned and fallen short of what you ask, have rebelled, and that, Lord, now by faith, they want to receive, we all want to receive you as our Lord and Savior, and that you would please come into our lives, that you would change our lives and transform us instantaneously by our our confession of faith. Lord, you said if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, may we all make that confession. And Lord, may we commit our lives to you. 
It's as simple as ABC, Lord. We admit we're sinners. We believe in Christ's finished work, and we commit our lives to you. And then, Lord, we ask that you will open the doors to a rich and full life now and forever, that to live would be Christ and to die would be gain. In Jesus' name, amen. And that prayer, that prayer goes for all the work here, for these kids down here on the field, for um, our women's ministry that planted so many seeds. And hold tight, we've got just a few more minutes here. But think about sanctification. If you're saved, if you've made that prayer, if you've committed your life to God, think about the sanctifying, ongoing work in us. It says uh, in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. There's an ongoing work for each of us. There's a special work for each of us. There is a sanctifying, transforming work into the image of Jesus that's going on. So we got to work it out. we got to put it, our faith to work. And here's your spiritual uh, workout uh, encouragement. Okay, There's a little sweat that goes with uh, our Christian walk, okay? So um, there's labor. There's uh, the disciplines we talked about, being in that word, lifting that hard first page, okay, with those muscles and carving out the time. You know, uh, we always have time, no matter how little time we have, because God will maximize our time if we seek him first. So do the exercise of prayer, the exercise of being in the Word, the exercise of getting out of bed and coming here to church and helping out as needed and and just gathering and encouraging one another and being a part of a a church family of faith that can grow and sharpen sharpen us and and can encourage and even coach us. Um, You know, um, the physical disciplines along with the spiritual disciplines, the opening our, our heart, mind, soul, to the Lord and, and His Holy Spirit, but also those physical disciplines, they go together. Um, I want to just wrap up as we look at verse 12 in chapter uh, 2. So he says in this uh, verse, he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You may have heard that before. Work out. It doesn't mean you're saved by good works. It doesn't mean do good things and you get to heaven. It doesn't mean that. It means work out, work through your salvation, your sanctifying work. Work out the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to go out and change. Make it always only Jesus as your focus. Make it opening that Bible. Make it prayer. That's the workout of our faith. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence. The word fear in the Bible is usually... Uh, can be translated as a reverence for God, even though there, sh- there might be a degree of fear that we should have because of his judgment that will come one day. And so a, a reverence for God, what he's done, what Jesus did for us, what Paul and all these apostles did for us to provide us with, with these words of truth. So let me just finish up with uh, verses 12 through 18 here in chapter 2. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is, uh, I think of this as a workout, as, as like coaching. He's encouraging and motivating them. Not just when I'm here, you've got to do some workouts on your own too. Okay, It's not just on the team field here. We have to, have to be in shape. So he says, it is God, for it is God who works in you 
both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Again, it's not just our own sweat and toil. It's being empowered by the Holy Spirit, by God's leading, his empowering, just as Paul's whole ministry was, how he worked the bad to good. And so he says, here's one of your, your, first, uh, your first disciplines in your workout. It says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Okay, that's a little hard. That's, that requires a little sweat and effort. Okay, this workout's getting tough, okay? I've got to not complain about things and not dispute, have a little liberty for the non-essentials, and just have charity in all things. Okay, that's hard to exercise when the going gets tough, okay? When we're challenged, we want to be able to exercise, have a, a reflex response to the challenges and not complaining and, and, and disputing. He says in verse 15 that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, shining in the darkness. There's that encouragement. I think of like, I always make fun of those Peloton commercials. You know, the guys are all, let's go Peloton. You got this. You can do this. You know, it's like, it's good. We need that encouragement. It helps us. But it's like, uh, it's like Paul is doing that a little bit here. He's exhorting us. He's encouraging us. And that's what we do again for one another. He says, work it out. Work out that salvation. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Uh, and shine. Shine as lights in this world. We need some lights in this darkness. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. If the worship team wants to come up, we will wrap up with these last few verses. But uh, holding fast, holding on. I always ask people, how you doing? I'm hanging in there. I love that term. It's like, well, hold on and don't let go, whatever you do, Okay. I think of that cat who's on the bar, and that's, we used to have posters instead of memes when I was young, but I think we had that poster around, and he was, hang in there, baby, don't let go, okay? So holding fast, holding fast to that word, never let it go, every day, be in it, be in prayer, gather in faith, so that I may rejoice and hold on to the joy, he came that we would have joy in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He is worthy, and sometimes I think he is worth it. He is worth pouring out every bit that we have. He's worth it. This is the best investment, our faith in Jesus and our works that we want to combine. Faith and works together, blessing our lives and and, and solidifying uh, that faith. So, 17, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all you, with you all. Ever heard the term, leave it all, leave it all on the field? Some of you sports guys, that's a, it's an idea of like, you gave it your best, okay? Win or lose, whatever happened, you left everything you had out on that field. You tried your hardest, and you, you gave God, during this life, everything we have. Because he has given us everything we have. He's given us our health and our wealth and our time and our treasure and our talent. And he says, give it all back to me and see how I'll multiply it and continue to give. You cannot outgive me. I dare you, he says. He says, leave it all on the field. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For, this, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Lots of rejoicing in this book. We're going to hear a little more about the rejoicing in the weeks to come. But... Uh, If you would all uh, stand, we will pray and have a final um, worship song.
Our Father, we want to thank you for one another. We want to thank you for a, a place, a place where we can gather in the name of Jesus freely and safely, comfortably, a place you have provided us that I pray you will continue to provide for the needs of, that you will multiply everything that's done here to bless youth, to bless children, to bless men, women, seniors, to bless our community with outreaches. Lord, and most of all, would come from hearts and minds that are committed to you, always only Jesus, that we would be yours, knowing that whatever circumstance comes, whether imprisonment or persecution or martyrdom, you can use it all for your glory, for your salvation work, for your sanctification work. Lord, thank you for, for one another. Thank you for the encouragement we can receive, for the prayers we can give and receive for one another. Thank you for faith that is powerful and comforting, bringing hope and meaning to life so that we can all say to live is Christ and to die is gain. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.